One quarter down, three to go. 2021 seems to move at a fast pace as the world continues turning. It's no joke that today is April 1st, 2021, and the first fact of this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement is that this day has 12 hours and 40 minutes between sunrise and sunset. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, here for another edition that seeks to catch up with some of what's happening so far this year. On today's show, Governor Northam finalizes a $3.7 billion investment in rail in Virginia. An update on the regional transit partnership, including news that fare free will continue for area systems. Charlottesville City Council agrees to wait a year to make a final decision on the West Main streetscape. And the Confederate statues can come down according to a Virginia Supreme Court ruling. Today's show is brought to you by the quarter of the audience who has stepped up to make a financial contribution to the show in the form of a Substack subscription, a monthly Patreon amount to help support general research through Venmo or PayPal, or simply by sending in a check to Town Crier Productions. In the past eight months, we've begun to build together something intended to engage the community with information about local decision points about the future. I'm grateful to each of you, and I will soon have an announcement about another way this project will be made sustainable. Until then, let's get on with the information. Today's show deals with budgets and transportation and community health. Let's begin with the official ceremony on Tuesday that capped off an announcement in December of 2019 from Governor Ralph Northam about a $3.7 billion investment in Virginia Rail. That includes a $1.9 billion bridge over the Potomac River dedicated to passenger rail, public purchase of 223 miles of track and 386 miles of -of right-of-way from CSX, and a billion dollars in related infrastructure improvements in Virginia. Shannon Valentine is Virginia's Secretary of Transportation. From the moment this agreement in principle, the concept, was negotiated with CSX and announced in December of 2019 with our partners, Amtrak and VRE, we have been working deliberately and sequentially over these past 15 months. The expansion of Long Bridge has cleared many environmental hurdles. An authority to expand passenger rail has been created, and Congress has been given approval to transfer some parkland to the project. The ceremony was held at the Alexandria train station to sign the agreements governing how CSX, Amtrak, and the Virginia Railway Express will work together. Through an extraordinary year, often with great uncertainty, there has been steadfast commitment to reaching this destination. The initiative includes purchase of a freight corridor between Charlottesville and Doswell, north of Richmond, for eventual passenger rail service. Also included is funding to extend rail service to Christiansburg and planning to head further west to Bristol. Here's Governor Ralph Northam. This transformative plan will make travel faster and safer. It will make it easier to move up and down our east coast, and it will connect urban and rural Virginia. Also in attendance was U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, who said the recently signed American Rescue Plan will help ensure public transit makes it through the pandemic. The rescue plan has more than $30 billion in funding for public transit agencies, helping them to avoid layoffs and service cuts. 
We know that the cuts that these agencies were facing disproportionately harm workers who depend on public transportation, including so many of the workers we have belatedly come to call essential workers. The statewide rail network will make it more possible for people to choose not to own an automobile. But how will the regional public transportation system be improved to provide alternatives to driving? Since October 2017, the Regional Transit Partnership has met as a program of the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission, or TJPDC. The group consists of Charlottesville and Albemarle officials, and the University of Virginia joined the partnership by the end of 2019. The idea is to share information with an eye toward having the city-owned Charlottesville Area Transit, the Public Service Corporation Jaunt, and the University Transit System work better together. Last week, regional leaders got an update on the creation of a regional transit vision that the TJPDC is working on that is intended to serve as a blueprint for a more efficient system. The next milestone is for a committee to select a firm to work on the project. Jessica Hirsch-Ballering is a transportation planner with the TJPDC who spoke at the March 25th RTP meeting. The regional transit vision plan requires technical assistance from um, a consulting team. And the role of the selection committee is to review proposals from those firms that respond to the vision plan RFP, and then to recommend to the regional transit partnership a preferred firm to complete the vision plan. The committee will review the proposals in May. Charlottesville Area Transit Director Garland Williams gave an update on the forthcoming revision to bus routes after presenting an overview at the February RTP meeting. There will be a change to the route that travels between downtown and U.S. 29 in Albemarle County's designated growth area. We're doing some extensions. We're changing some of the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, components of the seven extended it out to Walmart, so we'll do seven days a week. It looks like we'll be able to have final iterations that we'll be able to share with the public um, probably in another couple of weeks. Title VI of the 1964 Civil Rights Act requires two rounds of public input before the routes can be approved. One effect of the pandemic has been a reduction in demand for parking at the UVA health system. UVA Parking and Transportation Director Becca White said that's coming to an end. We're up back up to about 90% of the pre-COVID uh, demand for um, at the hospital. And of course, as you know, we transport um, all those people that, that last mile. We intercept them at a, in a big parking area and then shuttle them to the, their final destination. White said parking demand in the academic campus is at about 55% of pre-COVID levels. So many of the classes are still in uh, not in-person or hybrid and such that that whole class change thing isn't really, still is not happening. The last day of classes at UVA is May 6th, and the last day of exams is on May 15th. Graduation is on May 20th, and UVA is expected to make an announcement this Friday about how what they call final exercises will proceed. Jaunt is also seeing a small return to pre-COVID traffic. Karen Davis is the interim director of Jaunt. Our ridership is starting to to tick up, and we're putting more um, drivers out on the road. More of them are uh, able to have a full schedule, um, although we are, you know, at reduced capacity. Um, 
Um, and we're actively keeping an eye on uh, how COVID rules will change and impact transit and also reopening the main office. Davis said Jaunt will soon survey riders of the Crozet Connect route, which began in the summer of 2019. The service has changed due to the pandemic. Up until this point, we have pretty much changed our service structure to demand, and so we'll do the same in, in Crozet. It was such a shame because it was flourishing and growing so strong, and then COVID hit, and it's just like, oh, gosh. After Davis's update, Williams dropped this information. Uh, Karen and I, I believe, are still contemplating in our 22 budgets um, operating fare free. Williams added that the idea is to use a portion of COVID relief funds, including the American Rescue Plan, to cover the cost of fares, which make up about 10% of the CAT budget. We have it in our numbers for um, three years. Williams added study will soon get underway to see if CAT can permanently remove the fare box. The system will also add automated passenger counters to buses to track ridership. Jaunt can't quite make a three-year commitment, but will be fare-free in fiscal year 22, which begins on July 1st. Especially going fare-free in this next year will really enable us to get our ridership back up and running. When you take that barrier away for passengers, um, then everyone, you know, the risk of trying to use transit, you know, is, is so low and people, why not get on the bus and see where it goes, you know? And so... I think it's really exciting if we can make this work. One item called for in the Regional Transit Partnership's strategic plan is a visit to a community similar to Charlottesville to see how transit works. A potential trip to Blacksburg was put on hold a year ago when the pandemic began. Here's Albemarle County Supervisor Diantha McKeel. I just think it's always good if we can take a look at what other communities are doing However, Williams said Cat is planning to work with the firm Kimley Horn on a peer review of its own. That was that's a necessary component for us to, as we start to build out, um, ask for more for our um, you know, alternative um, uh, fuel vehicles and our facilities. Um, we need to see how we match up um, as we're starting to ask for more capital projects. Williams said that as part of that work, they are looking for a location for a park and ride lot on US 29. Supervisor B. Lepisto-Kirtley asked for more information. Yeah, I just want to ask Garland, are you looking uh, for your parking ride up in the area of, uh, uh, well, it was former defense, but it's now called North Point up there? So, I mean, they're really uh, building out up there. So I want to say uh, what we don't want to do is give the, the uh, developers a, a, a chance to grab the pieces of property from us that we're looking at. So we are we are having um, conversations behind the scenes. Williams said he has had conversations with Albemarle officials about the idea. And that's where the Regional Transit Vision Plan and a separate Albemarle Transit Plan are intended to come in. The TJPDC is also studying the North 29 corridor in both Albemarle and Greene counties. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. In today's subscriber-fueled public service announcement, there are many fewer monarch butterflies than there were in the past, and efforts are underway to study and implement solutions. On April 19th, Wild Virginia will welcome Virginia master naturalist Michelle Prisby 
for a virtual talk where she will describe several programs underway, ranging from the Monarch Larva Monitoring Project to Project Monarch Health. Sign up now at Wild Virginia for this talk on the biology, ecology, and conservation of monarch butterflies. There's a link in the newsletter. Charlottesville City Council will have a public hearing on the proposed fiscal year 22 budget on Monday, April 5th. On March 25th, they held a work session on the proposed capital improvement program and also talked about what to do with some additional revenue that budget staff now anticipate receiving during the year that begins on July 1st. For months, budget staff have been telling council that the city is close to its capacity to raise additional debt. Here's Senior Budget Management Analyst Chrissy Hamill. And then with the proposed CIP, um, we are projecting a five-year debt um, financing of roughly $121 million. So with the bonds that we've previously committed but not issued and the CIP before you, we are committing um, to a debt capacity of about $195 million. To cover that amount, budget staff are anticipating increasing the property tax rate a total of $0.10 over five years to cover the additional debt service. The actual vote to do so will be made by council next year, including any new councillors that are elected this November. That $195 million that Hamill mentioned includes about $18 million in bonds that have not yet been sold for the West Main streetscape, which was split into four phases in order to obtain funding from the Virginia Department of Transportation. David Brown is the city's public works director. Um, The funding that's being proposed right now covers phase one, but there is a $6.5 million that is needed to complete phase two. A third phase is recommended to be fully funded by VDOT with no match of local tax dollars, unlike in phase one and phase two. Phase four is currently unfunded. City manager Chip Boyles said VDOT is willing to delay the projects another year in order for the first three phases to be done at the same time if the city comes up with a $6.5 million or scales back the project. One of the biggest costs of the program is to place utility lines underground. That has a $4.3 million cost in Phase 1 and a $5 million cost in Phase 2, according to a budget presented to Council last September. Another decision point was how to use some additional revenues freed up by other budget reductions as well as higher estimates for business licenses. About $1.3 million in additional revenue was found. A million is proposed for a 2% cost of living increase for city employees, and another 80000 would go to fully fund a deputy city manager position. Staff had recommended using the rest for personnel to support a climate action plan when one is drafted. Crystal Ritterwald is the city's environmental administrator. So, so I think the, um, the anticipation is that when we have a climate action plan adopted, There will be a range of initiatives, be it on the municipal side or on the community support side, that will actually exceed the capacity that our existing staff have to deliver. A majority of council supported the climate position, but Charlottesville Mayor Nakaya Walker favored a measurement and solutions position intended to track how the city is achieving its goals. A committee had been expected to produce a report on this topic last summer, 
but the work was delayed by the pandemic. City manager Boyles said he would try to find a way to fund the measurement position as well. The public hearing for the budget will be held at Council's meeting on Monday night. A wrap-up work session is scheduled for April 8th, and the budget is expected to be adopted at a special meeting on April 13th. A community health research firm at the University of Wisconsin has recently updated its rankings for how Virginia counties measure up in health. The Population Health Institute has ranked Albemarle as the seventh healthiest locality in the Commonwealth, based on several metrics, including life expectancy. Life expectancy in Charlottesville is 82.7 years, according to the data. Charlottesville is ranked 23rd, Fluvanna County is ranked 26th, Greene County is ranked 33rd, Louisa is ranked 60th, and Nelson is ranked 58th. Arlington County is ranked 1st, and the city of Petersburg is ranked last at 133. Life expectancy in Petersburg is 67.4 years. The data is worth exploring, and in this year where community health has become so important, this is an invaluable resource that I've only just begun to explore. A link in the newsletter will take you to a comparison among all of the localities in the TJPDC. Included on that list is a metric that relates to the segment earlier on transit. 77% of working Virginians drive alone to work. In Charlottesville, that figure is 59% according to the database. That number is higher in the other communities. Take a look at the data and let me know what you see. Some breaking news came in just as I was finalizing the script today. The Virginia Supreme Court has ruled that Charlottesville can remove two Confederate statues in city parks that were erected in the 1920s. In February 2017, council voted to remove statues of two Confederate generals and were soon sued by a group who argued the statues were protected war memorials under a law that passed the General Assembly in 1997. A Charlottesville Circuit Court judge backed the plaintiffs up in an October 29 ruling. However, the opinion written by Justice Bernard Goodwin found that the Circuit Court judge was an error. It has long been the law of the Commonwealth that retroactive application of statutes is disfavored. We'll have more on this in tomorrow's program. And that's it for today's installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Thank you so much for listening. Going to try to get this one out so I can get on to the next one for tomorrow. Thanks again for all the people who have made a financial contribution. Uh, This is what I do for a living now. I've dedicated all seven days of my week to this venture. And I am hoping in the future to have people who can help me get it out faster. In order to make that happen, I need more subscribers. So if you could possibly subscribe through Substack, that's probably the best way this week to indicate your interest and to signal that you would like me to keep doing this work. Now, I can't announce it yet, but soon there's going to be an announcement that's related to these Substack subscriptions. So do sign up and uh, let me know what you think. And please send on the program to others. The show remains free to anybody who wants to listen to it or read it. Substack subscribers get a little extra premium stuff from here and there, but for the most part, this is a community venture intended to engage the community and inform. Thank you for listening, and I'll be back tomorrow with another installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. In the meantime, go play in traffic! April Fools.